Hello, everyone, and welcome back to year two of Ventures. And this year two, which is essentially season two, I'm going to be mixing in more of my own commentary with other pieces of content from year one that I've had a number of questions about. And, and one of those questions was all about how to validate a B2B subscription business, a B2B software as a service business that has a subscription revenue model specifically for medium to large sized companies. And I refer everybody to episode 12 to, uh, to get more information about this particular topic. I love how Patrick and Brian and their company VendorHawk, which they started from an idea all the way to a successful exit to service now within three years. I refer you back to episode 12 for the fuller conversation, which I'd highly recommend. But in, in today's episode, I just I really want to just pull in the specific content about how they went about validating their B2B SaaS venture that will hopefully be helpful for you as you build your company as well. So if you're listening, you can also watch by visiting wclittle.com and there you'll see more show notes to the topics that we talk about today. And if you're watching, you can also listen anywhere that you get your podcast. You can just search for ventures. So with that, let's just dive right in. I think the thing that was really important for us is, um, Brian, when you jumped in, we basically said, okay, here's the problem. How can we take these, you know, we had 20 customers we'd done interviews for and, and Will, you were very adamant. You're like, go, just start, go selling the idea. And I'm like, don't you need a software product to sell? And the first things that you taught me was like, actually go and go and try to um, take the problem and turn that into a, a proposal for a, a solution. And so when you taught me about Balsamic, I quickly jumped onto Balsamic and realized, oh, I, I could actually build software here on Balsamic, these wireframes. <laughs> Problem was I accidentally built about a year and a half or two years of roadmap in, in about like three or four days on Balsamic, and I didn't realize it was a lot of <laughs> a lot of work. Um, but yeah, at the time we were doing this on the side of our day job, so we both still had day jobs. We were definitely hustling the after like evenings and early mornings. But yeah, I remember we we built Balsamic wireframes um, based off a couple hypotheses we had in our interviews. One of them was you know. Is, is managing renewals a really difficult thing, you know? And we said, if we think it's difficult, so here's, here's, a, here's one UI. Here's another one on maybe saving money is one. And uh, very quickly, we actually got some feedback. And some people were excited about renewals and actually paid us as early customers. And I, on the promise of, hey, your subscription will start in, you know, four months from now, I think we said which is when it was like, all right, that's when you have to have real software. But we sold our first two contracts on wireframes alone, like not a line of code. And then quickly we started iterating. And, you know, Brian, you can talk about how we shifted maybe away from renewals to the other stuff. Sure. And one thing to note on that process with the wireframing is we're pretty intentional about writing down the hypotheses we're testing as we're going through this. I, I think some people can be confused about lean and, and how to approach it. Um, but, and I think this piece of intentionally writing down what is the hypothesis I'm testing, how am I going to test this? Um, that was something we did through this process. I think one example with the wireframes was there are kind of two angles we were looking at. One was 
that software evaluation that people are are trying to sort through, or is it actually managing the software I already have? And so we created two different experiences related to those things and, and how people responded to those those experiences. Um, but um, yeah, from that process, from the wireframes, um, it was clear that managing software we already have is the problem to go after, um, both in terms of the managing renewals and also in terms of how can I save money on, on, I know I'm wasting money on this, how can I save money? So from there, we had some ideas that how can we quickly identify savings to, uh, to speed up the sales process, get people excited about the product. So that's when we built very tiny MVP demos where we would integrate with an individual software product. They could hook it up in about five minutes and then see instant savings. Uh, so G Suite was the first one we did. And then we did Salesforce shortly after that. And once we had just a quick demo with, with some of these people, um, once they saw the number right away, it was, it was really exciting and, and continued to drive momentum. So maybe backing up a minute, I, I imagine a lot of entrepreneurs listening in are, are, are surprised and curious about how on earth you were able to sell actual contracts to people with wireframes. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about how exactly you pulled that off? Because I remember there were some, there were, there yeah. were some interesting strategies and tactics you went about uh, during that process. Yeah, yeah, I, I had some. Uh, again, I I come from uh, enterprise sales background, also you know inside sales as well. So all, most all of this is virtual, you know, over Zoom and things like that. Um, the key thing is creating this concept of uh, an alpha group, right? So an alpha. So we're not even beta, right? So alpha is hey, here's this thing. I'm going to show you what it looks like. Click through the wireframes, but we had this thing called an alpha group agreement. And it was essentially a, a one, one and a half page document that walked through some real basic, um, you know, here's, here's, what, here's what you're going to do for me as an alpha group member. You're going to give me some feedback two or three times between when you sign and when we launch the, the MVP. Also, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to give me um, feedback on, uh, on, the, on the changes that, that you make. So every time we make changes, you need to give your time. But in exchange um, for them giving their feedback, they got a couple things. So one, um, from a sales perspective, they had to get um, th their contract started, you know, about four months from when they signed. They had to pay now, right, which is, that's the important thing. They need to pay now and vote with their dollar that it actually makes sense. The contract, it was technically like a 16-month contract. But it starts, and then we could refund that money 100% up to 60 days after the start of the contract. So if they first after, after the launch of the product. Right. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm making it, I'm giving them no reason to say no. All they're doing is they're putting their money in my bank account for six months and I'm not going to use that or pretend that it's mine until day 61. Right. So yeah. that was, that, those were a couple of the things that we did and that made it so that you're, you're helping them feel like as part of the alpha group, you're actually influencing the creation of this product and potentially a whole new category. Remember one of our customers, Brian, he, he was like, he was proud that he was like, no, I helped create this category. Yes. He, he was yes. in the alpha group. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And then over time you, you change, you switch from an alpha group after you switch later on into more of a pub, you know, private or public beta. But what that does is it sets people up with the expectation that this is really minimal. You're going to get to influence it. 
you're going to have a, you're going to be able to get out, but they need to actually pay you up front. None of this like, oh, we're going to do a free pilot. We're going to pilot this thing for, you know, a couple months and maybe they'll pay us. Maybe if you have to. But the thing that worked really well is is presenting something in wireframes that was compelling enough at a price point that we think that they could buy. And, and we actually started ratcheting up our prices. I remember the first couple were so small. Um, by the fourth one, I just doubled the price in my head and the customer still paid it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should have done that again. Maybe I should have quadrupled it. So those are just some, yeah, some examples of how you test out the price, but you make it you make it irresistible. You know, if the, if it's really a problem and it's really going to solve their problem, what the wireframe you're showing them, and of course your CTO thinks he can build it or she can build it, right? <laughs> they have to be able to build it in the four month window and then continue to iterate. But that's that's how we got that to work. So the alpha group contract, you get them to sign it, and then they're on the hook for a whole year, you know, and then they would renew. So, yeah. And I think one key point to highlight here is that the key hypothesis we're testing is that is this problem painful enough that somebody will pay for it? Hmm. And you, this is a real proof point. If they actually write you a check for your product, that's a great proof point that you're on the right track. Before you even have a product. Yes. And so yeah. for those not familiar, what was the problem that you were solving? You mentioned asking a generic question about managing multiple SaaS subscriptions, but what, yes. what, where did you settle into? Because a lot of people are very curious, like, how did you get somebody to pay money up front? What, what was the, yeah. the value proposition? The, uh, the first two customers bought on one value proposition, and then the second two bought on something different. I'll, I'll tell you about So we had four customers buy before we launched. The first two bought on the, I have a giant list of software. I don't really know when any of them renew. And so it's really on credit cards and, and, and this thing can just come up whenever um, the, the either a monthly renewal um, and then there's the annual renewal. And sometimes on an annual renewal, there's an auto renewal clause, like 60 days out, 90 days out sometimes. And so when you want to cancel it, you can't because you already by contract renewed. And so dealing with a surprise auto renewal was what got the first two customers. So like, oh, if you could just give me a renewal notification, let me get reminded before my, my auto renewal date, that'd be great. The second two customers bought on something um, based on um, uh, savings, like with the G Suite and Salesforce, we showed them who wasn't logging in. They had licenses for, um, you know, for Salesforce. And, um, and I think we found more than 100 licenses that were unused. Um, that it went a thousand dollars a pop annually that we, we uncovered six figures of savings and he paid less than $10,000 for our product. Right. So that it was a real, it was a no brainer on utilization of SaaS licensing um, being the main, the main value driver there. So those things combined is kind of the, the nucleus of, of the product that we went to market within the MVP. It was real basic, but it was high enough value to generate people, uh, generate interest and in, in, uh, ring the cash register. And how did you even navigate your way into a decision maker at, at an enterprise who could, who could make a decision to pay money for something like that? Because that's, that's often a challenge, especially people who aren't, don't have a background in sales. What, what advice yeah. would you have for those type of people? Yeah, I think the, be the best thing I could share would be um, you have to think through all of, all of the connections that you have and asking those connections if they know of 
somebody at their, I mean, most of those people probably work at a company, most of them. <laughs> if they work at a company, someone in that company, this is for B2B software, somebody in that company probably would hopefully take an email from them. And that's where we got our, our first several um, uh, is, is just referrals within companies. This is business to business software um, sales. The other thing is we did go ahead and look at some top, top tech companies. I think it was our fifth customer was actually a, um, my very first cold call. I, I felt like God was playing a joke on me because I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and call some people. And I called the first person VP of IT picked up his phone, a, a number that I came in and I found him through the directory. So I had a general number. You find him in the directory. He answered his phone. I told him the 30 second, yeah, you probably have a lot of software. You don't really know what you're doing with. And he's like, oh yeah, it's painful. I'm like, well, I don't have time to talk now and neither do you, which is true if you cold call somebody. I don't have time to talk now, but maybe next week you have some time to talk. I could just grab 15, 20 minutes. I can see if you're wasting a bunch of money. He goes, uh, sure, sure. What day, what day is good. And before I knew it, I, I did a cold call and got that first person. So just wow. general number, find the name in the directory through the phone tree and, you know, pray that they pick up the phone. <laughs> so yeah, so that, that, those are a couple examples. Well, how to do that. So Brian, from your perspective, you, you have you have a CEO, a startup CEO out there hustling and selling. Yeah, he he he's um he's he's writing checks that you're going to have to cash here at some point. How, what what's going through your brain yeah. when you're thinking, uh oh, I gotta I gotta get this thing built. Oh man, yeah. So I think I sometimes frustrated Patrick, but I I was the in the MVP uh, piece. I was always focusing on the M. What's what's truly minimal here? Yeah. Um, so I was always finding ways, what can we whittle down in, in what we're selling that's still valuable uh, and still viable, but that I can actually do. Cause I was the only person work, working on the product at this point. And we were, we were moonlighting too, and we had families. So we, we only had a limited time to work on this, but honestly, it was, it was uh, an incredibly intense year for me. I was, I was working nights, weekends, early mornings to, uh, to get this MVP out the door. One thing we did do in the alpha group is we we put some scope of the product in the contract, but, but we made it fudge, fudgeable. So it was more like high-level feature descriptions and not like screenshots and, and the full-on definition of our product so that we could actually fudge a little bit on scope as we approach that four-month deadline. That was helpful. Um, second is about six months in, I, I was starting to honestly starting to burn out a bit. And uh, I remember a key call that we had with you, Will, we were considering bringing on some contract help and, and paying cash for it. But, but you, you coached us to, Hey, see if you can find a co-founder who can come on as a developer with you. Um, still be bought in. You won't have to pay cash. You can pay them equity. And so later on in the process, we brought on a third co-founder who was a principal engineer for us. And that, that really helped take some of the pressure off of me and helped us accelerate the, the product. All right, a couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe and you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. 
Number two, my partners and I at Proto Ventures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it'd be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.